Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back for another episode of the Impact Investing Podcast. This is the second of the week, and we're back at home, Tom. <laughs> home in, for you, yeah. In Liverpool. <laughs> um, and we're doing a second app this week because it's the autumn statement. So we're going to do a bit of context, a bit of background on the autumn statement, um, and then we're going to watch it, and then we're going to give our reaction to it. So um, for those of you that don't know, especially our international listeners... Of which there are many. Well, many. There's, there's about 30%. Yeah, we are. We're always in the Japanese podcast charts. We're always in the Belgian podcast charts. We're big in Japan, like the Beatles. I mean, how and why? I, I, I'm not not sure. But <laughs> thank you very much. If I knew any Japanese, I'd say it. <laughs> but for those who don't know, whether you're internationalist or not, the autumn statement is the budget, and it's delivered by the Chancellor of the Exchequer today, which is the seventeenth of November. This is slightly delayed. Yeah. Um, but. We're going to go into a bit of the background, but it's operation cleanup, really, from yeah. from the uh, quasi Quartengliz Trust budget that we also covered on the pod um, a few episodes ago. So, Tom, as always, I'll come over to you and say, <laughs> "What's the back? What's the background here, and what's the context for what's what's going on today?" Yeah. So, obviously, we had the we discussed in a previous podcast about. Um, the UK situation and the uh, the previous budget from List Trust and Quasi Quartain that caused uh, a little bit of a stir um, and resulted in them no longer being in the positions that they were in. <laughs> and now we have uh, Rishi and, and then Jeremy Hunt um, as the Prime Minister and Chancellor. And it's their chance to kind of put their flag in the ground about about their economic policy looking ahead. That's what the budget is for, for the UK. But it's set against, you know, a very difficult backdrop, global backdrop and local backdrop. You know, inflation in the UK, um, I think it was yesterday, it came in at 11.1%, slightly ahead of expectations where people thought it was about 10.7%. That's the highest since 1981. Yeah. Again, predominantly driven by fuel and energy um, bills, but also food and drinks and food and drink and there's other items on there. Um, inflation for lower income households um, is higher because of the, the, where it's falling on the on mm-hmm. certain items than, than, than other areas. There's global headwinds that we know, inflation, the war in Ukraine. Um, um, there's, there's plenty going on outside the UK. And uh, UK tax rate already. So we're, what we're looking at in the budget is what they're going to spend money on and where they're going to not spend money, where they're going to bring back... Um, uh, increased tax, uh, increase the tax base, increased uh, tax rates and uh, payback spending. Um, but the tax rate in the UK is already at a 70 year high. Yeah. So where's the room to do that? And so what you had in the last budget um, from quasi quoting all this trust was the idea that the, the, through these unfunded tax cuts that they were trying to make, it created a 50 billion pound, what's been termed as a black hole in our finances that now Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt need to plug. They need to find 50 billion somehow over the next few years. Um, and so it's, I think it's important to get some, get some context on what that black hole yeah. actually is because yeah. it's kind of adopted by the media and adopted by politicians as this, as this thing that we need to solve and we must do it right away. But what does it actually mean? And so we have our, 
Um, we have our own fiscal rules in this country of how we want to manage our economy looking ahead, and they're normally done over five-year projections. The big thing that's going into that fiscal whole calculation is the amount of debt we have in proportion to the size of our economy measured by GDP. Yeah. And so the idea is that the original five-year forecast before Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang was that um, over that five-year period, it would be coming down by X amount. Yeah. And then they went and did what they did, and now that's created a 50 billion problem, i.e., we'll have 50 billion more in in debt um, or in less GDP than we had before. And that ratio is outside of what our own fiscal rule is. And so it's a fiscal rule. It's not like an immutable characteristic of the observable physical universe. You know, (laughs) we've we've invented it in a way to manage our economy. Then there's sensible reasons for why you would do that. It shows that you are bringing down your debt as a portion of GDP over time, which is generally seen as a good thing. Yeah. But how you do it is then a choice. So there is a, is a political set of actions, really, and an economic set of actions. And so you can try and inc- uh, decrease debt or I- increase GDP, i.e. grow GDP. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. and that's the kind of the two options of what we're going to see from, from Jeremy Hunt and where he comes out on what his plans are think, on those two sides. I think the point in, on, on, that, um, on where we are on that measure as well is important. So, you know, we're not. it's not as if we are wildly out of sync with with the world in terms of yeah. our our indebtedness compared no. to the size of our economy. Yeah. Um you know I think we're number 8 in the G20 or something like yeah, that yeah. are we? I'm, I'm, yeah. I think we're around the same level as the eurozone yeah. taken as a whole. Yeah. Um you know there's there's some areas that are often held up as you know uh, especially when we're talking about the list, list trust quasi thing about you know like places like Singapore that yeah. are held up as like these economic models we should strive for their their debt to GDP ratio is much higher than the UK's yeah. um, you know it's a different economy but it, you know it, the point is is we're not we're not in like the complete danger zone on that no. um, and I suppose there's a choice to make about whether whether you go for growth yeah. or whether you whether you cut and whether you try and you know, bring in another austerity program to bring down yeah. debt, or or is there a way of doing both at the same time? But yeah. it's not it's not that there's a pot of money and it's going to go to zero and then the country's <laughs> going to be bankrupt. It's it's about keeping within parameters that are are sort of keep us within a stable footing, yeah. basically. Like generally seen as sensible by you know the, the financial market. So you, you said, yeah, we're, we're eighth in the G twenty in terms of our debt to GDP ratio. We're behind France, Canada, Spain. USA, Italy, Singapore, and Japan. So these are not basket case countries yeah. that have more debt, yeah. a massive amount of debt than us. But it's like the, the whole point with the, tr- the, the Trust and Quarting th- um, incident episode era was... Era is a bit of a strong term for, what was it, four weeks? <laughs> a four-week era was, the, uh, was credibility. So you can you can come out with a credible way of increasing debt yeah. with it with with a view to it increasing GDP yeah. over the long term. But people have got to believe it increases. People have GDP. got to believe in it. They've got to have yeah. some actual measure. You can't just say it is a growth budget and then all the measures are not anything to yeah. do with that. Yeah. So if you came out with a credible plan that invested in areas that we talked about, you know, a few weeks back or a few months back, whenever it, whenever they were in charge, um, you can get the markets on side and you can spend more money. Yeah. And so it's not a, there's a what there's a one size fits all debt to GDP ratio that everyone in the world must meet. Yeah. Um, but there's a credible way of it being flexible, you know, depending on what you want to achieve and what you put out there. Yeah. And I think, you know, things like where they, when, when quasi Quarteng tried to get rid of the higher rate tax rate, yeah. this is the, this was the 45% uh, income tax rate for people earning over 150,000. He wanted, you tried to get rid of that completely. Yeah. Now there's, there's a reason why that, 
you know, things like that are reacted uh, to negatively. One, because it's seen as unfair, seen as a giveaway yeah. to people who are already high earners. But but two is because within that within that structure, within that, you know, is it gonna is it gonna bring down uh, debt or increase debt, or is it gonna uh, decrease growth or increase growth? Hmm. The view on things like that was well, it's 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 going to increase debt because it's tax that you're not going to get in but it's also not going to do anything for growth yeah. so it's an inherently bad move yeah. for that metric so that's 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 where with any budget or with any statement that it's that balance that people yeah. are the, the the chancellor has to think about and that people are going to be reacting to effectively uh, yeah exactly yeah it's, it's interesting in the last few weeks in the build up this budget in the UK we started to see some of the same phrases that were kind of trotted out by the, the Cameron Osborne UK government, at, you know, in 2010 onwards, which was, we must now make cuts to balance the budget. We have to have spending restraint. Maybe tax rises, future generations will pay if we don't do these yeah. things. And it kind of like, it seems like it's designed. There's a, there's a guy that uh, I often read because I'm sad, but the guy called Simon Ren Lewis, who is a, an economist at Oxford University, and he, he calls all these phrases something called media macro, which is like the media representation of macroeconomics. Yeah. But macroeconomics is uh, boring unless you're an economist, yeah. and it's often complicated and it's hard to translate into into language that most people understand. And so, in dumbing it down and making everyone everyone kind of think that the the government is a household budget that we mm. need to that we need to balance, it then allows people to enact policies because the kind of general population gets what that means. You have to live within your means, don't you? You know, if you're spending more, you have to rein back in. And, that, and then it allows people to start enacting policies that we saw during the Cameron Osborne years, which were austerity, which were cutbacks, that have, you know, impacted on UK productivity and UK growth over the past 10, 12 years. And so that's what's led the UK, by and large, to, to be in the position that it's in today, which is lagging our peer group in terms of growth, productivity, and measures like GDP per capita. And you're seeing that language come back into the into the frame now with Hunt yeah. and, and, and Sunak. Which would suggest that, you know, what we're going to be looking at is is a rather than invest for growth statement, yep. you know, you would think it's it's more likely to be a yep. reduced debt by either increasing uh, you know, increasing taxes, reducing spending basically. Yeah. Um so you know and as we've said on previous episodes, you know, there's, there's an argument for there's an argument for trying to kill two birds with one stone. There's yeah. an argument for trying to spend mm. in a way that solves some of the inherent problems we have, yeah. like NHS waiting times, about, you know, lack of uh, labour force or a shortage in the labour force, all these type of things, whilst also trying to grow the economy. And there's, there's ways that you can there's ways that you can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not necessarily that any spending you announce, the markets are going to react no. negatively to. That's no. not the case. It has to be the right spending targeted the right things. I suppose, like any investment, though, mm. viewed as you know, there's a, there's an element of uncertainty. Yes. Whereas if you say we were going to spend X on something and now we're going to spend less than that, yeah, that's a definite thing that you're not that, that you can control as as a chancellor. Yeah. Whereas if you say we're going to invest and we think it's going to return something to the economy, yeah. That's where the uncertainty comes in. So that's probably um, if you're trying to make this a sort of stability budget, yeah. Uh, it's it's easier to try and appease for that certainty than it is for for uh, yeah. taking any risk of growth. Not necessarily the right thing to do, no. for the for the economy or for, for or for solving the issues that we had, but you can see a sort of logic in why yeah. there'd be a temptation to I th- do it. I think it's I think it's definitely understandable to expect 
Jeremy Hunt to come out with something which is, you know, about that stability and about mark, the market perception of them being cautious and careful. Um, and so I don't think we can expect anything bold. Like, you know, we've talked about, you know, um, big investments in, you know, things like um, preparing the UK economy for a clean energy future, massive investments into that. You know, we've committed to, you know, the the Glasgow um, COP 1.5 degrees. What is our, our role to play in that? Can we do more on that? Um I doubt there'll be huge measures taken in that. I doubt there'll be any big, big promises on that because his goal is to be the opposite of quasi Quartang, which is not ruffle any feathers, appear to be boring and stable. And that's, yes, and I no think, surprises. And no surprises. Which actually in history, I think, you know, chancellors have always tried to keep something as a as the surprise yeah. that lands in the speech, as, yeah, you yeah. know, to, to try and shine the light on, on them a bit more than it will be leaked in the press beforehand. Yeah. Um, but, you know, may or may not happen. Should we go and watch it then and report back? Yeah, let's go and do that. We won't make you watch it and hear it. Uh, this, is the, this is the point where, as if anyone would sponsor this podcast, we'd go to a we'd go to a break. But seeing as no one will, uh, we'll just pause for a minute and then we'll be back. Brought to you by Coca Cola. <laughs> okay, so after that short commercial break that didn't exist, um, we're back and we've we finished watching um, the autumn statement, which was a. Plan for stability, growth, and public services, according to Jeremy Hunt. Mm. Uh, Tom, please be careful when you're saying Jeremy Hunt, because many... <laughs> I'm just going to call him <laughs> Jezza from now on. That'll be fine. Um, so, first impressions? Absolutely riveting. <laughs> I've never been so excited in my life. Um, first impressions. I think there's a lot of... A lot of words were said, a lot of platitudes, a lot of patting us as a nation on the back and how brilliant that we are at everything that we've ever done and everything that we ever will do. Um, But I think when it comes down to a lot of the the details, I mean, so the overarching thing was there's this 50 billion, 55 billion hole and that he's plugging that gap over the next five years. And the measures he's come up with, both um, half of that 55 billion is coming from spending cuts and half of it's coming from tax rises. Yeah. And with those measures, it perfectly meets that number in five years. Who would have thought that that would have been achieved with this budget? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, there wasn't a lot of details on the areas of hard cuts that he was making. No. To public spending, et cetera. And there was a, reaff- there was a reaffirming that, 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 that they wouldn't do that. Um, but the actual cash levels of them are not going up each year. Yeah. And so that's kind of like, you know, stealth cuts. Normally what happens with public spending is they're increasing each year. Um, and so they are, they'll be going down as a percentage of GDP effectively as we grow GDP. Yeah. And so whilst he's not making a lot of outright tax, uh, sorry, spending cuts, um, that's effectively spending cuts over the next five years yeah. um, baked into baked into it. And then on the other side, on the, um, on the tax rises, the opposite of quasi quoting and, and list trust that the 45p marginal tax rate has been brought down to people earning over 125,000 pounds in a year. Yeah. Um, and then the tax free allowances um, have all stayed the same, which is another stealth tax cut because yeah. they normally rise each year. Yeah. And there's been other areas where. Um, but all the headline rates have stayed the same. All the headline rates. So he can present something which is we're not rocking the boat, everything's staying the same. Yeah. But really what it means over five years is spending on key areas is, is going down effectively uh, yeah. in inflation-adjusted terms. And so a lot was said, um, a lot of self-congratulatory stuff, a lot of jeering from the, the opposition side of the house. Um, but when all said and done, I think it probably achieved what he wanted to achieve, which was 
give the impression. If you say stable and you say growth and you say a lot of things about your commitment to everything else, I think like Liz Truss and Quasi Quarteng wanted to do out of their growth budget that was not a growth budget. If you keep saying those over and over again in a very stable and grown up way, yeah. uh, you give the perception that you are a grown up and stable, etc. And he hasn't done anything to massively rock the boat. And so it's probably achieved exactly what he wanted yeah, to achieve. I, th- I think as well as if you don't stand up and say, we're going to take the... 30 billion we were going to spend on X and just remove it, then you don't have a headline which is spending cuts. What he's done is he's he's reduced the increases in spending. Yes. But in an environment where inflation's running at 10% now and it's going to stay higher for probably longer than people thought. Yeah. Um, so all of the all of the input costs of all of the services are going up. Yeah. But all of this expenditure is is slowing down in those key areas. So I think I think that's interesting. The other thing that I I took away from it was that um, you know, he, he was. I tried to keep a tally of the times he mentioned sort of international factors, either global factors around inflation or the war in the war in uh, Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine. I lost count on them <laughs> versus the amount of times that he put any sort of causality on Brexit. He didn't mention any negative effects of Brexit a single time. And in fact, he only mentioned... What negatives could there be? (laughs) Well, ask Andrew Bailey, the governor of the Bank of England, because he seemed to have a lot of them yesterday. But, um, you know, he only mentioned Brexit once, and that was in the context of, with our newfound Brexit freedoms, um, some some whatever he announced after that. But, you know, I think uh, he was at at pains to make clear that, you know, it wasn't wasn't the Conservative governments of the last 12 years, and it wasn't... um, you know, it wasn't anything to do with Brexit. It was these global factors yeah. that that are at play. Yeah, he, um, he drew on a few little and international analogies. If you, uh, that that would hope he hoped would illustrate how uh, how he sees our future as a, as a nation. So he wants to turn us into the world's next Silicon Valley as a nation. Silicon Valley in San Francisco in uh, in the USA. Um, I know a lot of people in Silicon Valley who have left or want to leave Silicon Valley because of the problems with Silicon Valley. And a huge inequality. Huge in, in- rampant inequality, homelessness and problems that, you know, so I'm not looking forward to that bit of his plan. And then he said that our public um, services, um, he wants to have Scandinavian style public sp- services with Singaporean efficiency. Um, and so um, whatever that fully means, we can look forward to that. So Britain is great. Everything is great about Britain, however, except we're going to be a Scandinavian, Singaporean, Silicon Valley nation from, <laughs> hybrid na- from now on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, look, I, I, this is not us just trashing everything he's done, everything he's said. There's some commitments in there that I think if you're thinking about it from an impact investing point of view or you're an impact minded person like us, He's committed to building the first nuclear power plant in the UK. Well, sorry, EDF Energy, which is the French government <laughs> nuclear power. So we're going to be a Singaporean, French, nuclear, Scandinavian, French, yeah, yeah. Silicon Valley. Yeah, um, I'm sure Brexit's helped all these things. <laughs> um, yeah, we're building the first nuclear power plant in the UK in 30 years. He didn't say how long that will take, probably 10 years. Um, that'll deliver 10,000 high-skilled jobs, six mil- enough energy to power 6 million homes for 50 years. Yeah. So... I think that's something that we, we, we've discussed, the exploration or the inclusion of nuclear in our renewable energy future. So that's, I think that's something in, you know, that, that, that is a potential positive if it materialises. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've had, we've had uh, you know, we spoke, speak, spoke to Will Rowe, he mentioned the cost of, yeah. of nuclear. That's, yeah. um, you know, we've, we've talked about the past, you know, bringing the, the mix of nuclear energy up to try and be, you know, try and get big 
big leaps in the in the level of uh, power generation we can do more, you know, in a low carbon world. Yeah. Um, you know, one nuclear plant, you can look at that positively or negatively in that context. You can say, well, yeah. it's not going to be an over-reliance on yeah. nuclear or expensive energy, but it's also not going to be a transformative uh, quantum leap, but you can say it's a step in the right direction, maybe. Yeah, yeah. and he, he, he also reaffirmed our commitment to the Glasgow COP commitments of 1.5 degrees warming and a 60, 60% reduction in our uh, carbon emissions by uh, 2030. So he didn't give any details on that. No. But... He's reaffirmed the commitment. Yeah. I think a lot, of, a lot, a lot of what he said or didn't say was, "We're going to consider a lot of areas in the future." Yeah, we're going to. There's a task force being created for everything. Yeah, and that will that will give us some some suggestions in a year, two years, five years, ten years time. Yeah, and I think the other the other thing on that energy side is he he was saying that um, we're going to bring in a review to try and bring. Uh, energy efficiency mm. so a 15 percent reduction in our overall energy use by 2030 yeah um and that's going to be helped by uh effectively some additional funding six yeah. billion of additional funding into um people making home improvements in to, yeah. for energy efficiency the interesting thing to see if uh, the opposition labor will pounce on that is that um, so he's committed basically to spending billions on insulating homes and upgrading boilers, things like that. That, that drives efficiencies that he's talking about. Yeah. But UK home insulation rates plummeted during the last um, during the last decade because of Cameron and Osborne policies they brought in in 2012, 2013, which which reduced all the overall spending and incentives to do that and yeah. helped to do that. So um, we're kind of correcting course on that. It's not a new thing. We're just re- reintroducing something that was already in place maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, the other overall thing I took from this was there's a lot of, uh, you know, and this this is not it's not unique to this statement, but there's a lot of can kicking. So, you know, kicking yeah. the can down the road a bit. Um, you know, bear in mind, there is going to be a general election mm. by 2024. Yeah. A lot of this stuff was like, in 2025 and beyond, yeah, yeah. this and this, you know, they're going to happen. So regardless of who wins the next election, there's likely to be a change in personnel, you would think, yeah. at some degree, and there would likely be a change of, well, there's going to be a new manifesto for a start. Yeah. So you would think that a lot of this stuff that's announced, as is the true with all budgets, probably might not see the light of day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the interesting thing, is at some point in 2024, we're going to have an election. If you look at the forecasts for what is the probably the best possible outcome of what Jeremy Hunt has just produced. We're going to have a 1.2% contraction recession next year in GDP with an, with 9.1% in inflation. And then in 2024, we'll grow 4.2%, but with 7.4% in inflation. So a recession and then hopefully some growth in 2024. The further out you go, the harder it is to make any economic predictions. So mm-hmm. that's like his plan for the best possible outcome. Yeah. So it's likely that in 2024, it'll at least be a close run race and, and we're going to get, like you said, either way, a new set of uh, promises and a new set of manif- and a new manifesto, either from the Tories or Labour. Yeah. He made a statement. He, he said, when he started talking about the growth part of the, of the statement, he stood up and said, <laughs> I want to remind the opposition, <laughs> you, can't, you can't borrow your way to growth. Ooh. That was a, just a flat, flat statement he made which yeah. is I would I would argue that you actually can you actually can yeah that's what a lot of businesses that are starting out do in order to achieve growth and and you know if you the the, the idea is that to use a household analogy which you should not use for the, 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 the country you kind of take out a mortgage to buy a house with the idea that that house price goes up in the future don't you yeah so I mean that's not true and uh and you should and someone should probably tell the previous prime minister of his own party if that's not true <laughs> So in terms of 
just another, just a particular thing for investors, which I I took out of what was what what was said as well is um, around some of the tax rates. So obviously, none of the headline tax percentage rates are changing, but a lot of the bands and thresholds are yeah. changing. Particularly around, particularly interesting. I think if you're an individual investor in the UK, mm. I think you should look at. Um, the dividend allowance, dividend income allowance is going down from 2000 to £1,000. Yeah. And uh, arguably a bigger thing is that the tax-free allowance on capital gains mm. is going down from 12000 this year to 6000 in April uh, 2023 and then to 3000 in 2024. Wow. Yeah. So where does it, what does that mean if you're a personal investor? Well, if you're investing in things like stocks and shares – you are likely to receive some dividend income and you are and if you if those stocks and shares that you've bought go up in value and then you sell them mm. that's a capital gain which yep. will be subject to tax so i suppose the the thing that we've said before and i would i would i would just highlight again is if you are saving uh you know those that 3000 capital gain level is now not you know it's not a big threshold to get over in terms of a level before you'll start paying more tax yeah. so you know no mention of the ISA allowance in this statement, but the ISA allowance is currently 20000 a year and it's free from income tax and capital gains. So yeah. if you are thinking of starting to invest money, I think if you could, if you can make sure that you're max, maximizing the use of that ISA allowance, then, you know, you shield yourself from those, yeah. from those, uh, cuts in the allowances as best you can really. Yeah. Final, a final thing that I noticed is, uh, is, uh, obviously if you, if you're in, living in the North of England, We've got a few little shout-outs for specific things. So HS2, which everyone in the north of England wants, is going to Manchester. Nowhere else, but it's going to Manchester. Cheers. Um, the levelling up budget has been matched from the Boris Johnson government, which was £1.7 billion. Pounds, which I can't we believe, just learned how little that was. I can't believe how low that was. I, I actually said, <laughs> we actually pointed it out when we were watching it, like, the the amount of noise around one point, about, about levelling up and the levelling up agenda and how important it is. £1.7 Billion is absolutely nothing in the in, yeah. the, in the scheme of a country's budget. I mean, budget. For, for hundreds of years of of uh, of, uh, of problems between North and South divide in this country, one point seven billion. And finally, the thing I noticed was if you live in the northeast, you should be feeling extra special because uh, Jeremy Hunt announced that, he, that you'll be getting a mayor somewhere in the northeast, an area of the an northeast. area of the northeast. He'd so. either forgotten. Or He'd either forgotten. He couldn't name a single place in the northeast, <laughs> or, or it was such a last-minute thing that they just. Threw, what about the northeast? Throw that in. Or Northern Ireland's getting a, an event. That's the only time I mentioned Northern Ireland was there's going to be an event there. There was there, no. There was two mentions. <laughs> One was the, the mention of the formula when you increase spending and how much it would mean for an increase in areas of the uh, of of the UK, and then the other was. And there'll be some event. Be an we'll event. hold an event. There. Drinks and canapes. <laughs> so, once in the next five years. Yeah, some little throwaway things. Uh, but I mean, overall, I think this this was a this will get probably the reaction which he, which the government wanted, which was you know no great no great alarms, no great surprises. Yeah. Just uh, just and and no headline. It was like a yeah. sort of headline avoiding budget yes. because. No rate of tax has changed. There's no. no one big named expenditure cut, and there's no change to where no. where money will be invested. So he could have gambled and said, "Right, we're going to scrap HS2 and, and spend that money on something else to, yeah. to try and spark growth in a different way." Yeah. But there was nothing like that. It yeah. was it was effectively as incomes go up, 
you'll pay more tax because the bans aren't aren't rising and we're in a high inflation world and future planned increases in in public expenditures are going to be pulled back yeah and the, and and I suppose the only the only headline where there could have been something is his forecasts show a recession next year but he ended on that was a recession made in Russia nothing to do with us yeah and so and actually the revert he gets the only thing that's headline was the 45p tax rate yeah. So it's he wanted that reverse headline from yeah, what, yeah. from what uh, Liz Truss and Quasi Quarting yeah. got. He he wanted it to be, you know, we're not scrapping it. We're actually putting more people on it. Yeah. All in all, he's probably done what he wanted to do and uh, ensured some level of market stability. But um, I hope whatever he does has some positive impact on the UK in the next two years because we need it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Impact Investing from Circa 5000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.